0: Therefore you have not become faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will entrust to you what is true. No household servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will hold to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Luke chapter 16 verses 11 and 13 This week, we continue the series titled Necessary Experiences, Important Lessons, and a Crucial Decision. We're speaking from Brother Ron Kangas on learning how to work, how to manage money, how to live a consecrated life, and how to live in the world but not of the world. This meeting was held in August 2012 in Anaheim, California. A link to the full audio can be found in the episode notes.
1: Now here comes, what? Is this the eater snout? It was very good. I'm glad I didn't know it when I was eating it. But, but we need to kind of um, kind of mix these things up. So we make a big turn. You have to learn how to work at a job. How to be a good employee. Or you're a pneumatic mom with three or four little children, and so you don't have a job outside the home, you have an unending job. Any, to, work, okay, to work for our living is a law. It's a principle ordained by God. When the Lord illustrated rapture, he didn't say two women were pray-reading. One was taken and the other was left. He didn't say two men were PSRPing at at 6.30. One was taken and the other was left. The women were grinding. Sounds pretty boring. You've got you to grind your own meal. Then, then you cook it. The men are in the field. The Lord himself selected human work as the illustration of who is or is not ready for the Lord. Well, there's two sides to this. There's the side of being diligent in your work, learning to work, learning how to be under a boss, how to be accountable learning how to progress in your work, to bear responsibility in your work. No one who fails at this lesson will ever be useful to the Lord. Elisha was plowing with six yoke of oxen. He wasn't sitting under a tree saying, I wonder when the calling will come when I can be full time and I can lay down this work, he was fully given to what he was doing. For the apostles, two were fishing. Others were mending nets. Matthew was a tax collector. He was in the tax office. Daniel Okay, was Daniel full-time for the Lord or not? Think about Daniel. From the time he was about junior high age, he was taken out of his homeland. Because of his ability, he and his companions were highly educated in the Babylonian system. And they excelled. And Daniel eventually had a high position in civil service, we would call it. So when the Medes and the Persians took over, Daniel continued and was at the very highest level of government service. But the king said to him when the lion issue came up, Daniel, servant of the living God, your God whom you serve continually, he will Take care of you. Well, Daniel wasn't outwardly full time. Do you think he could have borne that testimony? Do you think he could have had that prayer? Do you think he could have seen those visions? Or had that spiritual understanding? If he had been fundamentally deficient in his work as a human being. And his responsibility? that he he surpassed everyone, not out of ambition. Before, almost all of you were born, there was a rebellion in Anaheim. And uh, this is a little sidebar. The vast majority of the common problems in the church life are caused by sisters. Listen to the end. Just the The constant ongoing problems. All the major problems are caused by brothers, okay? Especially gifted brothers. And so many followed the leader out of their recovery. And then after it was over, and we were considering how it happened and what happened and what can we learn, one brother pointed out something. And he said, you look at so many of the brothers, they all had a problem with work, with having a job, with devoting the proper time at their job. I'm not talking now about the the struggle to find work in this economy. I'm talking about the character of our person. We have to be willing to work. This is a law. Brother Lee told me this directly, face to face. When I was fellowshipping with him about is this unburdened to serve full time? Is this the time? And it turned out it wasn't the time. And he mentioned a number of things which I can't go into now as far as prerequisites. But he said to work is a law. It's a law. And this is quite a balance to the personal and affectionate relationship to living in the divine dispensing. The most experienced elder in Eldon Hall in Los Angeles from 1962 until he went to the Lord in 1984 was Brother Samuel Chang. There were three other elders, much younger, 30 years younger at least. They were full time and they were co workers. One day, Brother Samuel gave us his testimony because he had the burden to work. He was a chemist. He was working in a lab. And his boss allocated a certain amount of work he had to do for the week. And then Brother Samuel told us by Wednesday, he had completed everything. And then he said, the Lord made me spend the next two days cleaning cleaning up the lab doing this but this brother whenever you met him you realized he's been praying for you he learned to live to the Lord and be one with the Lord in his work okay um, if that was the anteater snout this is the the sea cucumber on the alligator feet And this is huge on the practical side. I'll just take three or four minutes. Uh, and I think you'll be saying, that's enough, brother Ron. Three or four minutes and this is enough. I know it's enough, okay? Um, managing money. The place of money in your living. Um, And I would begin with the most fundamental principle is learning to give. To give the first of everything. Because we need to give in secret, I can't share much in a personal way. But I can say this, starting from my first weeks in the Lord's recovery, the Lord began to focus on this matter of money from almost every conceivable angle. Even one brother who was shepherding me in the beginning, he said, why don't you pray and ask the Lord to show you what you think about? And that was simple. I I respected this brother. I trusted him. I said, I'm going to do this. I said, Lord, please show me what I think about. And then the light came, money, often just below the level of consciousness. Then the Lord touched the anxiety about money, the love of money. Being unwise spiritually in using money. You know, my wife and I were young. We hear this testimony about someone who gave everything. And so we literally gave everything in the offering and then now we have no money to live on and so we have to get fellowship. All kinds of things. And then Brother Lee came out a couple decades ago that we should give 10% and 5% for the work. Okay. I can say, I can go this far. Every year, I take the lead, but I fellowship with my wife so that she is not pushed beyond her faith. Every year, we revise our giving upward. And I would just say this much. Fifteen percent, that's ancient history. And what happened is, I touched the law ordained by God regarding finance. It's a law. You give the first, the first fruits. You give. The Lord will always give in return. That is not the reason we give. It's sad in the Lord's recovery to have to limit full-timers in a certain continent because lack of support. I wonder what would happen if all of us beginning with young adults, maybe for the first time having a regular income on your own. If we all learn how to fellowship with the Lord and say, Lord, what percentage should I give of everything I receive or everything I earn? And the more you give, you'll find out at the end of the year, the more you'll receive. It's a law. You read Matthew, uh, Luke 16. The Lord said to be faithful in unrighteous mammon. If you're not faithful in this, who will give you the true riches? The true riches, the riches of Christ, the inheritance in the kingdom. No one can serve two masters. One of the most costly messages I ever gave I was so ex- exhausted after this Wednesday night meeting. I didn't know if I could walk out of my office, if I needed my wife to come and get me. There was a message on the vision of the EFA vessel, on pure commerce and the defilement of pure commerce, using money to get money rather than producing something or earning it or rendering a service. This is a huge matter. And the Lord's word is crystal clear. He said, no one can serve two masters. That in the Lord's work, I will not be influenced by the prospect of any financial recompense. I will not withhold going from a poor area or from an area where the saints are not enlightened concerning this. Because I have to bear the total cost. I like to have the testimony. I'm not affected by it. I serve God alone. I do not serve mammon. I do not have two masters. And the first thought when something comes is I can give. Thank you. I can give. The first response. This is nothing heroic. This is something normal. Okay, now five continues this, a life <clears throat> of consecration. For tonight's fellowship, let me assume that most of us have entered the doorway of consecration. We've entered the, the narrow door. We've made that initial decision to offer ourselves to the Lord, our whole being, everyone and everything related to us, our time, everything we possess, everything. That is, you could say, the crisis of consecration. To live a life of consecration is very simple. And this is what this brother does. I wake up and the Lord has given me another day. It's the only day I have. And I just tell him, I consecrate this day to you. And I consecrate myself to you today. That's it. Whatever the day holds. And then, when there is a significant turn in your life, a change, you're moving somewhere, You have a new job. You got engaged. You're having a baby. There's a concern about your health, whatever it is. Then it's wise to consecrate yourself to the Lord in that matter. Lord, I give this matter to you. I give myself to you in this matter. And when I say give, I mean we're simply opening to the Lord for him to do whatever he wants. I don't want to scare you, and I don't want you to be wrongly impressed. But I live with a certain kind of divine recklessness before God. What do I mean? Lord, do whatever you want, whatever you want. Whatever you want to do in me, with me, to me, through me. I trust you. I love you. I would not have it any other way. I don't want my own will. That's all I know. I'm not promising to be this. I'm not promising to do that. That's not consecration. I'm simply presenting myself to you day by day. You can do it while you're shaving. I don't know if you can do it while you're gargling, Listerine. But you, you can do it in the midst of things. Lord, I give you myself, I give you today. You work day by day. You want me to live day by day. I give this day to you. Some of you know when we migrated from the Chicago to Detroit, we put our stuff in a truck, and then there was a fire. And everything burned up. And so, sometime later, once we passed through that situation, I needed to get a new automobile, or at least a different one. And I was in Detroit where you can order what you want, and you know the day that it is being manufactured. And I prayed for it. I said, this car is consecrated. It belongs to Christ and the church. This car. It's a big thing to get your first car. You may have a car payment for the rest of your life because... Uh, you know, you're not like people like me who drive 1998 Nissans around. You like something a little more hip than that. But whatever it is, just live this way. It's not hard. It's quite sweet. You just give yourself to the Lord day by day. <clears throat> okay, that's five. We're one-third of the way through. Six. And here and in one other place, we'll get uh, very explicit. You need to learn to live in the world, but not of the world. The Lord will not take us out of the world. Even he, he prayed that. He said, Father, I don't pray that you will take them out of the world. But that you would keep them from the evil one. So, we don't have monasteries. We don't have nunneries. We're not withdrawing from the age in which we live. But many of you, you need to be saved. If this were a gospel meeting, I would give you a gospel message on this subject. You need to be saved. I mean it. The Spirit knows. Saved from what? I'm saved from God's judgment. That's correct. Are you saved from this generation? From the generation? From the age? From the present evil age? From the mindset of the age? From the standards of the age? Why do some of you drink alcohol? Why? I'm not talking about a little wine for your stomach's sake. I'm putting wine in another category. It seems to be a kind of uncertain category in the word. Why? When you go out to have a meal with sisters, why do you need a martini? Why do you need hard liquor? Are you of the world? Of the world? Are you learning to be in, but not of? Okay, even with this frantic election year, I wish there would be a law that would not allow campaigning until after Labor Day. Okay, are, we gonna, are you going to be of it? Will it swallow you up? Will it drag your soul into it? I'm learning. No, I will not be of it. I vote for the throne. I pull my lever for the choice of God on the throne. And I have to admit, I really don't know what that is. But I tell him, I'm for your choice, whoever it is. I was um, in Boston, and we had a series of question and response sessions. I kind of thought it was like a dad with Q&R with kids, but someone said it was Grandpa Ron. Anyway, there were all these questions, and it was a delightful time. They are written down, and. One was about well, can you say anything about how sisters should dress? Ooh, I'm not going to touch on this except to say this: modesty. You should dress modestly, but with a sense of style. In other words, you don't have to look like a character from Little House on the Prairie. You don't have to buy your clothes at the thrift store. You don't have to wear something that you made in a home ec in seventh grade. (laughs) It's okay to have a certain taste. We're not Mennonites. We're not Amish. But we're not of. We're in, but we're not of. I don't think I need to say too much more. We have to be in. We have to learn how to live in. You're going to work with pagans and unbelievers and unclean people and sinners and tax collectors and publicans and all these people that need to be saved. Can you learn how to be there in the world, yet you're not of them. If you learn this, you will realize how much they will respect you, how much ground you will have to be able to speak Christ to them over a coffee break. And they will know to whom to turn when they need someone they can trust. There is a real concern on this matter of being of the world because now you have the capacity If you've got a good income or you haven't learned how to manage your credit cards, you don't have consecrated credit cards, you max one out, you get another one to make the minimum payment on this one. Eventually, it's going to come to an end. Okay, I've been there. I've done that. I experienced the crash. I survived the crash. I can help you avoid the crash. If you want to learn all the lessons on your own, okay, but you don't have to. And even with the children. My, grandpa- my parents, they were believers. But they didn't have the same view of things that we had. They would send stuff to the kids. And the kids are excited. They open the boxes. Then we had to learn. So we told them, this is from grandma. And there are a lot of nice things in here. But we approve what you can have of this. If there's anything that we don't agree with, don't cry, don't whine, don't stress your heart on it. You're not getting it. But then we would never leave the kids empty. So we didn't have Christmas. We had summer training and winter training. So they got no Christmas presents. They got training presents. Twice a year, twice a year, see? Not just winter training, because that would be a surrogate Christmas. Every training. And now, I find out the grandkids getting training presents. Okay, like father, like son. Okay, I'm not religious about this, I'm not legal. But we have to learn this. To not be of. Maybe some of you need to pray, Lord, please show me in any way that I am of the world in my thinking, in my thinking, in my concepts, in my understanding of what a woman is, of what marriage is. I don't care. If the Supreme Court declares unanimously that two people of the same gender can have a marriage, I'll never regard that as marriage. I'll recognize the world is that way. I won't try to make the world different, but I'll never, ever drink that Kool-Aid. I will not be of that, right? Maybe to prove it, I'll get Chick-fil-A for lunch. (laughs) The kind of CEO of Chick-fil-A took a stand on behalf of God-ordained marriage. See, I'm not a monk. I know what's going on in the world situation.
0: Thank you for joining us today. To hear the complete recording and other messages, please visit livingtohim.com. If you would like to receive regular updates from us, please subscribe to this podcast and join our mailing list on our website. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, where our handle is at livingtohim.